Welcome back to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, a show that's by sports PTs and for sports PT professionals. In today's episode, we're honored to have a special guest, the 14-year NFL veteran, Morgan Cox. Renowned as the world's best long snapper, Morgan shares invaluable insights to elevate your sports PT career. This episode is brought to you by Clipper City Capital. Let's jump right in. Really excited to have Morgan Cox join the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. Morgan, welcome to the freaking party, dude. Longtime fan. Excited to be on here. <laughs> longtime listener. First time caller. Longtime listener. Longtime listener. Um, Morgan, this is year 14 in the National Football League. Did you ever think you'd be snapping footballs professionally for 14 years? Who was that? I was talking about this today with somebody. Um, actually, I, I went out and visited the U.S. men's national team. They were practicing here in Nashville, and I was talking to him, uh, one of the guys, and I just said, you know, if you go back and, and tell several of my teammates in high school that, you know, I would be the one that had the 14-year NFL career, you'd be like, you're crazy. Like, there's no way. But, um, you know, yeah, that's 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 where I found myself. And um, I mean, I remember even my first year in the league, I talking to some other friends, you know, who who had been around the league and watched um, long snapping for a while and just thought, you know, man, Morgan, Morgan, last 10 years in the league. I just that blew my mind. Like I had no that that did not register me that like that could actually happen. And so here I am. It's pretty cool. Here you are uh, in your 14 and obviously supporting a lively family that I hear in your background. So everyone oh, you can hear, but, but they're <laughs> great. He's calling for me right now. That's so. fine. They're, yeah. they're, they're great to have on the show. So yes. um, if, if you didn't know you'd be here for this long, looking back on it, what has been your secret to longevity? Um, I honestly, I, I would deflect a lot of, the the reason that I've been in the league for this long um, to other people um, that have kind of propped me up for for the years um, the guys that I played with specifically you know I came in the league um, Billy Cundiff and uh, Sam were my kicker and hold uh, kicker and and punter Sam would be so mad at me if I said kicker so, and holder good thing he doesn't so listen mad. I call it yeah good thing <laughs> so. And then uh, Justin came along and then, um, you know, we were together for so many years. Um, so I would, I would probably immediately jump to those guys, you know, uh, Billy um, kind of educated me when I first got in the league about taking care of your body. And I saw him doing, I mean, all sorts of crazy stuff, you know, massages every week and, um, you know, stretches and all this stuff. So I got a, a pretty quick picture of like, you know, he'd been in the, in the league, I think 11 years at that time. So I got a, a like, quick jump on like what it looks like to take care of yourself, um, you know, late in the later stages of your career. Um, and then Sam, Sam, Cook. um, Sam Cook, most people don't uh, know Sam as, as well as we do, but, uh, he just pr presented such a professionalism at, uh, to me at a, at an early stage of my career that it was something I looked up to something I wanted to, um, you know, a strive, strive to, and, 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 you know, just bought into, the culture there with with sam and and then when tuck came in just being great at our uh crafts uh and just wanting to you know contribute to the team the best we could and so i would think i think the initially the the i'm very thankful for to have those people kind of kind of bring me into the league in that way from a player standpoint now i could go into coaches um as well jerry rossberg chris horton and craig ackerman have been my special teams coaches and they've just set me up for success. And so it's hard, you know, I, I, I can self-reflect on discipline and stuff like that. But to me, I'd rather put it on the people that um, that I've been close in close contact with um, and work uh, yeah. with on a daily basis. I mean, we, we can give the people around us all the credit in the world. And I knew you would, Morgan, because that's that's the dude you are. Um, what would you say that that you've honed in on as a sure. secret or a practice? Um, I think uh, you know, again, catching, catching the, the culture and the attitude that Sam and those guys, um, established early on, I really focus on how good I can be at my craft, um, to the, to the extent that I feel like if I can snap the ball, I feel like that I can snap the, the ball so well 
that, you know, Billy, Justin, uh, Randy and Nick, uh, can't miss a kick. And so like, I, uh, those are all the kickers that come to mind right, right off the bat. Um, can't miss a kick if I snap it so well. Same thing with punters, Sam, uh, Brett and, uh, Ryan, uh, Stonehouse. Uh, if I snap the ball right in their bread basket, that's basically where they're dropping the ball from. So I've really focused on my personal accountability as to the high standard I have for myself uh, and then just chase that. Um, I would say uh, the PT that I've done in order to take care of my body. So longevity is all about uh, durability and uh toughness in a way I, I wouldn't immediately describe myself as tough i, I have plenty of aches and pains that that the people around me complain uh that i hear that they hear too much about but um uh, uh regular soft tissue therapy um rose um in in baltimore just i mean set me up for success uh so so working with you working with rose in terms of a soft tissue nature i think is what has helped me um with uh, longevity in my career. Yeah. I, and what you're really mentioning here is the attention to those details, um, mm -hmm. that, that seems to have pulled you along. No one is more detail oriented than, uh, Sam cook, than Morgan Cox, uh, than Nick Moore. You guys are freaking lunatics. Um, mm -hmm. when it comes to those things, what are, what are some of the details that you do pay attention to day in and day out? You know, I could get into the nitty gritty of, of get long into snapping. It. Get into um, it. So the first thing that comes to mind is on field goals. Uh, I know you've had Nick on, so I'm sure he's explained to like the laces, my my holder, whoever that is. Uh, right now it's Ryan Stonehouse. I want him to catch the ball to where the laces hit him in his right hand for a right-footed kicker. That way when he sets it down, the laces are already pointed towards the uprights. He doesn't have to move it. So it's just that little bit of, um, you know, once the ball's down, it really doesn't, there's no extra movement that the kicker has to look to. And so he immediately can focus on his, uh, strike point where he's going to hit the ball and put the best foot he can on it. And so, um, the way that I do that is I create the same distance between me and the holder, um, every single time. So if you look at the football field as a giant grid, then I'm going to try and line my feet up at the exact point, um, each time. Uh, that way, you know, Stony right now ha is on the same point back at, at the at the kicking spot, um, and I'm at the same point, so we create the same distance. And so, each snap on a field goal um, should rotate three and one quarter times um, out once it leaves my hand. And so, once it does that, Ryan catches the laces, ball goes down, and uh, you know, right, Nick Folk gets a look at it for. Uh, as long as he needs to, in order to make the kit. How do you control that amount of revolutions? What do you do with your hands? That comes down to, to, um, practice. Uh, I know, uh, you work with pitchers and a lot, and I'm sure that those guys, I, I don't know a lot about pitching, but I know those guys, you know, just have the, the sensation in their fingers that they know when a ball's left their hands, how many spins it's going to make on the way to the thing. And they can, they can uh, adjust that. It's the same thing for me. I've done it so many times, um, where it's now it's just become second nature. And I really, if you were to ask me, say, Hey, only rotate it two and a half times, like that would be difficult for me. But what I would do, I'd change the distance. And so I'd it'd take me a couple times, but I would, uh, figure it out. Should Come on, bring her on, bring her on. Um, that, that is on a, on a call. You want to, you want to see Yoni? What's up, Ru? Hey, hi. Say hey, Ruby. <laughs> Say hey, Ruby. Can you go get Mama? No. Okay. Well, um, either way. So I create the same distance uh, each time um, that I'm uh, snapping. That way, I know that it's going to rotate that many times, and it isn't. Um, if it does over rotate or under rotate, I I know how to change it. Now you, <laughs> I know how to change it from there. Amazing. Okay, now you know where your feet are. Where does that ball go in relation to your feet? So if the if the ball is marked, uh, usually is typically marked like right where the uh, the hash marks are, um, and so I usually pull the ball back to where I'm snapping it to. And whether it's, I mean, it's you barely notice it, um, especially if you were um, 
just watching on TV or whatever, but uh, it's, it's maybe a, an inch or two, I pull it back or push it forward. Um, and then that way in my stance, it looks the exact same thing, same way to me. And so uh, I, I get some comments from defensive linemen or something that, you know, Hey, you move the ball around or whatever. And they'll, they'll get mad at me, but um, ultimately uh, it looks the same. They just, you know, they have their own little tricks too. So I'm not worried about them. Yeah. Don't worry about them. It, it, by the way, it's worked so far. Um, <laughs> now how much that that's awesome in a vacuum. How much do you change it based upon weather? Weather changes. Uh, so early in the season, you're going to have a lot, lot warmer temperatures. You're going to have a lot of humidity. Uh, grip on the ball is going to be really good. You're going to get um, really good spin off of your hands. Uh, so I need to probably, I usually need to close the distance by a couple inches or so. Um, and then as it gets later in the season, colder weather, uh, it doesn't come off your hands as well. You want to kind of keep some moisture on your hands, but, um, you, you kind of move, you, you take space away. So you need to create more revolutions as the ball's going back. So there's, there's a lot of nuance to it. If it's raining, I've got little techniques, uh, to try and, you know, somewhat, uh, dry the ball off in the point where I'm, where I'm gripping the ball. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's just so many little nuanced things that, I get, you know, I've told you before that it's, I forget about even, um, because they're so second nature to me now. Yeah. There, but the reason I bring all this to light is because this makes me remember our initial conversations, which is I want to become an expert in exactly what you do and what you mm -hmm. need to do. And I think that helps me formulate my interventions. And, and I think that's decent advice. Obviously I'm biased because it's the advice I'm giving, but it's, it's you got to understand the patient, the athlete that's in front of you and exactly what they need to do. The reason I love working with the Wolfpack is no one knows what you guys need to do better than you guys. Um, and so grilling the hell, hell out of you guys for these little nuances um, is imperative. I, I think it's I think it builds rapport, but it also builds uh, proper intervention. You want to be a sharpshooter with your interventions. You don't want to be a carpet bomber. And so yeah. if, if I can like boil it down to like one little nuance change, um, then it's worth it. You know, then, then the whole conversation is, is totally worth it. How many, having heard all these little nuances, and I think you, you're keeping a lot close to your chest. How many times did Justin Tucker kick the laces in his career while you were snapping the ball to him? Uh, to, to my knowledge, zero. zero. Um, yeah, that, that, I don't recall a single one. And now Sam, I, I can't say that I've been that consistent, but as a team, Sam and I uh, did a did a great job of making sure that that Tuck never had to kick the laces. But I want to kind of touch on your point that you made too, like just knowing knowing the position um, and and having that experience with you guys. Uh, it really develops a trust um, for you guys. You know, like you're as invested in my craft uh, as as I am, really, because I mean you 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 see us on on Sundays and and you you feel a part of that because you helped us get to that point and, and make sure we're on the field in that way. And so like when I, when I see you guys and uh, see you in particular, uh, you know, pushing me in a certain way or whatever, it just, it develops that trust that um, you're looking out for me and uh, helping me be at my best. Yeah. And, th and that's what it's about. You know, that's, that's why I went to grad school and accrued all that debt so that I can get to treat athletes like you. And, and that's a piece of it is, is developing that rapport and that, that buy-in. Um, now you overcame a lot to, to make it your 14 years, most notably a couple ACL tears. So, you know, if that's me um, talking about that, which is a positive and a must to rehab all things, let's say upper extremity, what do you think are musts or things that you really appreciated that were done by your physical therapist in rehabbing your ACLs? Um, in, in my ACLs in particular, um, kind of listening, listening to me, but also not listening to me. You know, there was definitely times I can shout out, uh, Sam Bell for my second, my right ACL. Um, he knew where to, to push buttons, um, mm -hmm. that, um, you know, maybe I, I wasn't totally on board with like, you know, that my, my attitude that day, I wasn't like just jacked about just torturing myself with, uh, yeah. stretching or whatever, but he knew what I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were other times where, uh, he knew where he could push me. And so, um, 
it was a great back and forth in that way. And so I think as a PT, the best thing to do is to know, uh, again, kind of know your guy on a personal level. Cause I would even give Sam a hard time. Like, man, you never say great job to me, but then I listen to him talking to other guys and he, you know, he's like kind of helping them along and talking to them and everything. And, and so I, you know, I give him a hard time about that while we were doing it. And he's like, Morgan, you, you need different things than, than these, you know, these guys do. And so Sam was great about that. And he would, he would, uh, push me in, in ways and, you know, he, he would encourage me, but then, uh, there was definitely times where, um, I needed a, I needed a kick in the butt and he gave it to me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough. Sometimes it can be tough to, to read the patient and give them exactly what they want. It, that dynamic is, is different the way you experience it than a lot of outpatient pa uh, patients, right? Because mm -hmm. you're there every single day. And if I recall correctly, you had a lot of struggle or challenge getting your knee flexion, right? Bending it all the way. Big time. And so, Big time. so what were some of the tricks that you found valuable looking back on it that he would employ to say, yeah. I know you don't want to do this, but we got to rip your heel to, to your butt. How do he get you to buy in on that? Um, he sold it one. We were very, he, he explained the whole thing to me. So like one of the things that first things that I tell ACL or knee guys is getting extension. I can still tell it to everybody to this day. Like if you don't get extension right afterwards, you may never get it back because of the way that it, it heals itself. And so I remember that, you know, and so he drove that home. So we worked on extension. I do, I did the, um, Oh, I forgot it. Now I just called it the torture device where it straightened my leg and stuff. And so, um, he drove that home and then we always knew we could get, we always knew we could work flexion. I still work flexion to this day and shoot, I tore my ACL in, in 2015. I believe. And so, um, you know, seven years later, I'm still working on it. No, eight years later, do math. Yep. Sorry. Um, eight years later, still working on it. And I think for, for me, he just, he did such a great job of, of telling me, you know, this is what we have to do today. These are the markers. These are the milestones that we, I want you to hit in order to be able to be back in, a, in on the field in a certain time and be, be on track to where you can compete for your job and you be at your best. Um, and so with that motivation, you know, he, he gave me all the tools to say like, okay, this is where I've got to be. And so, um, and then going forward, you know, we, there was a number of different ways. It, it wasn't a lot of fun. Sometimes, sometimes I'd, we had to employ the help of, of some of my teammates to hold me down, yep. but, uh, it, it, uh, we got the work done and I was, I'm very thankful looking back because I, I mean, I'm still in the league right now because, because of Sam's dedication and his, uh, uh, care for me. Yeah. And you're, you're touching on a great point. Something that, that I try to make very, very often. There are a few things that a patient always has to know about the rehab process. One is what they're going to do about it. What is Morgan Cox going to do about his knee? He's got to mm -hmm. do this exercise and that exercise, use this machine. What am I going to do about it? The therapist. So I'm mm -hmm. going to bend them appropriately, or I'm going to give them this exercise. That's why you're going to come back. But another very important piece of, of those uh, like big tenants that I preach is the patient has to know where they are in the entire scheme of things, right? And exactly. So what are those milestones and how do you make the patient know it? It's awesome, Morgan, that you're one of the um, better educated um, athletes that I've come across in all things, but, but specifically in terms of health and strength and conditioning. But how do you meet them where they are and explain to them, Mm -hmm. This is why extension is so important. I mean, you quoted mm -hmm. it exactly the way I try to quote it to patients, which is you have to get extension, right? And then later comes flexion. But he did a great job of instilling that on you. So that that definitely sticks out as something that's worth repeating to all the sports PTs out there is educate your patient where they're supposed to be and where they currently mm -hmm. are and what are what is the patient doing about getting them to where they need to be and what is the therapist doing about it. And that creates a team environment. Mm -hmm. um, where you guys are kind of pulling in the same direction, therapist and patient. Um, yeah, that's, I, mean, I would say, like you said, I mean, if you would, if you consider me one of the better educated guys, that's, it's because of that. He brought me along in, in the process and it educated me along the way. I did a little bit of research myself, but I tell a lot of guys now when, if they get hurt, you know, obviously there's the mental aspect, there's the emotional aspect. I'm like, man, I'm out, whatever. I say, take, 
take the opportunity to learn about your body and learn about what it takes to be back on the field, not only with this injury, but also to keep yourself healthy going forward. And uh, whether it's whether it's flexibility, it's tissue work, it's, um, you know, just exercises and strength. Um, and, and that was the biggest thing that that uh, that Sam did for me, that you did for me. I think of Monica Baker back in uh, 2011 that was working with me on my left ACL. We just we had a progression and I got such a great education because they were willing to tell me along the way and not just say, this is what you got to do today. And they would give me back up the reasons of like, this is what it's going to lead to. This is how it's going to help you down the road. Yeah. And I, and I remember you sharing a story about Rose Colas, who you mentioned previously, um, your massage therapist while you were here in Baltimore, um, how it seems like she did a bunch of legwork before she even met you. Oh, um, yeah. Right. So that was the coolest thing. Yeah. That was the coolest thing to me about Rose. And she shows up. I remember it was like, it was May of 2010. I had just gotten into the league and I'm still in the hotel, like in the team hotel doing OTAs and, and all that stuff. And that's where Billy had kind of said, Hey, I got this massage therapist. She's great. Um, uh, tissue manipulation, all that stuff. And, um, it'd be worth it for you to, you know, see her told me the price and I was like, I don't have that, you know, you always played yet, you know, whatever, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I do. Um, but anyway, so I, you know, I, I bit the bullet, called her up and she shows up and, and she, she puts down this like packet in front of me and I'm like, what's this? And she goes, I, I found this online. I didn't really know what all like long snappers do, but like, I found this thing online and she starts to open it up. She's like, I think you use this, this, and this muscle. And it was blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm like, awesome. Like I, I didn't know any of this stuff, but to me that that's what sold me on her so quickly. I mean, right out of the gate, you know, I could tell her attention to detail, um, her care because I've had many massage therapists, um, uh, that I've, that I've worked on, worked with, um, since then, you know, you know, I know they've got a schedule to keep and I know everything, but there's a certain aspect of like, it's almost like a motherly care of like the job is done when the job is done. It's not when the time, you know, when the clock goes off. Uh, so Rose would always check on me, always did such a phenomenal job. And I still text her to this day of like, you know, Hey, <laughs> you're not going to London, are you? Cause I play the Ravens in London. He's like, you're not going to London. Are you? You can right. have some free time. Uh, no, she's not. But um, anyway, but yeah. That, uh, yeah. But that attention to detail and, and, the lesson there is do do your homework as the tree as the provider know who you're right. about to see and it doesn't mean you have to know um three and a quarter rotations from snapper to holder but it does mean you should know hey this is a snapper he's got a hinge here he's got to create tension mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. here are potentially the muscles that are at play um similarly once you come up with a diagnosis so uh, i remember at some point you and i were dealing with um some medial epicondylitis, which is um, inner elbow pain, which is super common in pitchers because they're always flicking their wrists. I haven't treated a million long snappers, but I, it would make sense that long snappers come across this as well. But the fact that I'm able to know, hey, he's got to hinge here and then produce force from fingertips in that position. If you do your homework and know what a long snapper has to do, now you can start to relate and relay mm -hmm. proper information to you. So let, let's walk through that and kind of dissect that a little bit. When you were dealing with that medial epicondylitis or the ongoing elbow pain, there's no way away from flicking your wrist. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. As, as yeah. a, as a I can't snapper. do what I do without, yeah, <laughs> just using that constantly. Right. So, so how do you, how do you stay on top of these overuse injuries knowing mm -hmm. that that's what you do for a living? Yeah, I, I think, um, kind of going back to what you said, like when we would work together, you would have me get into the position that I was in and we would work through that. And you'd kind of, you made sure and understand what's all at play. And I, you know, go through slow motion of like where I'm, my elbows are contacting, where my hands are pulling through and all that, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But um, we did such a great job of kind of talking back and forth of like what's hurting, what needs to be warmed up prior to starting that. And I remember, you know, the flossing we did, I remember, you know, a lot of the different exercises with the dumbbells out and in with my grip 
and just all the things that are at play. Cause you know, you've stressed it to me, Rose has stressed it to me, Sam has stressed it to me. The body is connected all over, you know, from your toes all the way up to your shoulder, down to your fingertips. And, and when you, when you grasp that and you understand that, like what you guys did such a great job of helping me to do, you're like, everything's connected in some sort of way. So this is where the pain is manifesting, but this is where maybe the problem is. And so understanding that and going through that with you guys and then giving me exercises to help to combat, you know, that overuse in that one particular area or where the, or just kind of knowing that like, even though the pain is coming from this area, this is actually where the problem is. And so you're overusing, or maybe your toes hurting or, which is causing your shoulder to hurt, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, we would work through exercises and it, it just helped me, gave, gave me the confidence to know that like, no matter what pain I was going through, ultimately, once I got on the field, everything was going to be okay because I knew how to progressively work it up and, and, and get ready. I would say, if I'm not ranting here, going into the off season, you know, understanding that I'm going to get in a season and I'm going to just use these muscles over and over and over and over. And so doing much more uh, or much less specific work um, and more general strength work has helped me through uh, a lot of the years too. I, I, you know, guys are like, well, do you, do you snap all the way through off season? I'm like, no, I barely touch a ball if I can help it because I know what's coming once, you know, July 27th hits, you know, I'm going to be snapping, you know, 50 balls a day at a minimum. And so I'd rather build up all the other muscles around it, you know, it's just so I can have that general strength because once it comes to that specific, there's no turning it off. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can't, you can't get away from that. So, so I think there's a, there's a lot of value there. It's also, you know, I think about all the medial epicondylitis or golfers elbow that I've rehabbed very few of those athletes um, overuse that muscle while their head is below their knees. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it, but it's, but it's super unique because we know that the, the nervous system needs to function appropriately and your nervous mm-hmm. system is going to function differently if you're hanging upside down and trying right. to use your nervous system, than yeah. if you're upright and your hand is up over your head. So just understand, like you said, the kind of understanding that position, um, is, is definitely new and don't be afraid as the clinician to lean on things that have worked. No, I haven't rehabbed a million long snappers. There aren't a million of you guys. Um, but I've rehabbed this pathology before and what can I pull on to help with that? Sometimes, um, I see newer clinicians that, that are working with NFL athletes and they get all kind of nervous about it. Um, but if you take a step back, it's like, wait, you, you have seen this. How do you, that's the main thing I knew when I had elbow wrist, you know, shoulder pain or whatever, I know that you have worked with baseball players. Same thing with, like I said, my, my PT back in uh, Memphis, Monica Baker. I remember she had uh, baseball players uh, coming, uh, coming through her practice and stuff. So, you know, that, that kind of relation of like, well, I may not be doing this, but I am doing this, you know what I mean? Like just in a different way. And so knowing that those muscles can be used the same way. And I remember like, (laughs) I remember worrying that I had like Tommy Johns or something just because like you know athletes you know listen to other what's go what's going on but then once uh you know once i talk to you and once we had a plan going forward it just you lose all that like nervousness and it's all about you know confidence and and then it then the discipline of like taking care of your homework as you would always ask me about you do your homework and the answer is always yes the answer is always yes with you (laughs) Regardless um, it, of whether I did or not, <laughs> I don't believe that. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, so if if that's some of the the clinical pearls, let's talk a little bit professionally speaking. You've been doing this for fourteen years, and every single year there's someone younger, there's someone cheaper. How sure. do you continue to stay at the top of your game? How do you deal with that pressure and uncertainty, um, professionally speaking? I would say professionally speaking, I keep, I just kind of keep my head down again. The, the attitude in the long snappers is, is um, if no one knows your name, you know, you're doing your job. And so my attitude, I remember somebody told me when I first started uh, coaches sleep well at night, if they don't have to worry about their long snapper and um, or sleep a lot better, I should say at yeah. night, if they don't have to worry about their long snapper, because like, that's the last thing you want to have to worry about. So, um, you know, not, not getting complacent 
with anything and just understanding that uh, going about my routine each year and understanding what, what I need to do in order to compete at a high level still, even at uh, being in the top 10 oldest guys in the league now, uh, having to, uh, you know, keep myself in, in a specific shape, knowing what the season is going to, is going to demand of me. And so I try not to worry too much about what other long snappers are doing, um, or what younger guys are doing and just kind of focusing on what has gotten me to the point that I'm at. Um, even to the point of, uh, heard golfers that don't watch each other's swings while they're in a round. And I kind of adopted that a long time ago. Um, I, I remember watching another long snapper in one of my, I think my second year watching another long snapper snap in pregame. And I was like, Oh man, he's doing this and that. I was like, I need to try that. And this is in a game. And I ended up having a kind of a low snap. So from then on out, I kind of determined that I was never going to watch, watch another snapper. And it's not out of disrespect. I was just never going to watch him in the game. I watch tons and tons of film. I watch every snap every week. And so it's not about what I can or can't. Of your snaps. You watch all of your snaps. I watch my snaps. I watch all the other guys snapping too. I want to see how they're doing and what they're doing. If they are doing something well, then I I want to pick it up. And um, uh, it's just, but it's, I guess what I mean is like when I'm in a competition, I don't want to adopt a new methodology in the middle of competition. I'm going to focus on me and focus on what, what I've, what's gotten me to that point. Um, And then, uh, you know, later on down the road, if I feel like something needs to be fixed, I've got a weak area. I'll look at somebody else that's doing it really well and go and adopt that. At, At what point did you realize this is what works for me? I need to live in, in these four feet. Ooh, I I would say I learned that probably early on. Um, it's always really kind of been my attitude, regardless of what area in life, or you know, it is what I do, long snapping. But I, I see it in a lot of other places, like I other aspects of my life. I I want to find out who's doing things the best, mm-hmm. and then like why are why are they the best at it, and then adopt their methodology. I, I saw some of that about. Kobe Bryant, he had a similar, and I'm not, you know, very similar. Kobe Bryant, very similar, uh, Kobe. especially athletically, but yes. attitude wise, I think it's a good approach to life of, of thinking of like, who is doing, who's doing this the best. And then how can I, you know, chase what they're doing and, and figure out their methodology. And so for me, that's, that's been the case uh, in log snapping. When I go back to college and I reflect on college, I came into college and I had, there was a guy that was doing the, the field goal snaps. Adam Miles, and then there's a guy doing the punt snaps, Ryan West, and they were both very good at what they did, um, respective to their, you know, field goal and punts. And so I was like, okay, how does Ryan do what he does, or how does Ryan do what he does blocking wise on punts and field goal, and then field goals? How does Adam do what he does? And just try to, you know, craft my uh, style and make it my own. Um, but because I had those two examples. Right as soon as I got in college, I knew I had the tools because I'd gotten to that point. But then learning learning how they were successful and then kind of emulating them from that point out. And by the way, that is that is very Kobe-esque because I think like every summer he would sit down and say, what do I want to add to my game? What, mm-hmm. what little nuance can I add mm-hmm. to continue to push myself forward? Um, and it sounds like that's that's what you did at Tennessee, right? When you When you were mm-hmm. able to witness that? Yes, absolutely. I, I went when I got to college and I saw those two guys doing it so well. And that's when I learned about the laces that um, Adam, um, not to dive into technique too much, but Adam was using mostly arms. He used, he took away mo- most of the variables, all the variables he possibly could. And he was just snapping with his arms. He was a very good baseball player. And so he knew the, the you know, wrist flick really well. And he'd rotate that ball exactly how, how it needed to be. And so I was like, man, he can do it. I can do it. You know, like I just got to spend time doing it. And so then it, then that's where I, um, the work comes in, you know, you gotta, you gotta spend time doing it. If you can't just like look at it or like, Oh yeah, I'll just do that. Like that doesn't work like that. You know, it's like Ryan's footwork was so good and blocking. So I'm like, how do I get my footwork to look the same way? Um, okay. So you've played Ravens and Titans, but you've spoken to people all the way across the league. So from a, organizational standpoint, what are some of the things that you truly value as it pertains to strength and conditioning and rehab Mm -hmm. that would make the ideal setting for you to stay healthy? Um, I think 
the, have one having the two uh, departments communicating very well is is a, is a very key aspect. In the same way that you know the the client and therapist have to communicate, you want to be able to communicate the strength uh, program and and the training program um, as well. Just because they are, let I me mean, so intertwined. Just like I spoke about before, I, I have some specific movements that maybe you know I've got some aches and pains from, but then I also need general strength as I go in, into the weight room and making sure those don't cross over too much where you know they're they're not. And so um, I've really appreciated that, uh, um, especially here here at the Titans that those guys communicate so well. I've gone gone through some things that um, that they've done a great job of of helping me get and be at my best. Um, and so it's communication is key from that standpoint. But then also, again, I hate to keep harping on it, but just knowing the athlete, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, Todd Torricelli and um, Frank uh, Piriano both do a great job of, you know, coming to me, knowing, you know, what my position is, what I need and helping me be at my best, make sure I'm not um, setting myself up for an injury somehow. Uh, and they pay attention. So, I mean, I hate to simplify it, but just knowing the athlete is, is, I mean, heck, 90% of the battle, I feel like. Uh, simple is always better. So, so you don't have to apologize for that, but, <laughs> but I think you're right. And I think we lose that sometimes. And I think us PTs or, or maybe it's the accomplished strength coach, we choke when it comes to that. Like we think we know everything. And I think the person who pays the price oftentimes is the athlete when, when the PT mm -hmm. says, stick to my program or the strength coach says stick to my program. Mm -hmm. You gotta be, and even if you're in the outside, like in um, the private setting, like I am, you gotta trust your strength coaches or know your strength coaches, mm -hmm. find them, become friends with them, know who, who knows what they're doing. And you can really collaborate with mm -hmm. as opposed to just staying in your own goddamn silo. You know, <laughs> freaking hate those silos. <laughs> Stop us in silos. It is, it is, it tough. is tough. It is tough. Yeah. Um, can you share with me a story um, when Sam, maybe Sam Cook kind of put you in your place as a, as a younger player and <laughs> opened your eyes to how you really needed to focus? Oh goodness! Uh, everybody loves this story. So, how many people we, have you told this story to? Uh, lots, lots. <laughs> Great. So um, it's no problem with you sharing. No, it here. it's not. Uh, <laughs> It also makes Sam look like kind of a jerk, which I mean, I guess he, you know, he's yes. probably not a, not, not mad about it. <laughs> um, no, to me, it's a testament to, to his attitude, what I spoke about earlier. But anyway, so I get into the league. I'm pretty fresh. Uh, and I'm in my second year, still trying to figure things out, sophomore season. Um, and I guess uh, we, let's see, we went down to St. Louis. So that's how long I've been in the NFL. You We're playing in St. Louis. And we go through our warm up. I'm just kind of having an off warm up. I don't really feel it. Uh, we go in uh, to the locker room, kind of stretch and do the rest of our uh, kind of pregame routine, come back out. And it's, I mean, it's kickoff is in four minutes, maybe. And the stadium is full. I mean, they're about to bring the flags out for the, for the national anthem and everything like that. And so we were getting, we, Sam and I usually got like five or six punts in. Well, snap one. And punk goes over my head. It's fine. And I'm like, hey, was that okay? He's like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and then I snap the next snap and it's at his left knee, which is where my miss had been for the, for the, uh, most of the warm up. And all of a sudden I'm looking up to like, see where the, the punt is going over my head, which is usually what happens. And I feel something hit the back of my helmet <laughs> and my head jumps forward <laughs> And I realized that Sam had basically taken the snap and crow hopped into this throw and threw it right back into the middle of the back of my head. I mean, and he is a cat. Prop, props to him. Yeah, I mean, Sam, especially at the time, had was only behind Flacco in terms of arm strength, um, and so for him to like just grab it, crow hop, and then put it, I mean, <laughs> on a dime in the back of my head. And I was like, what? And he's like, well, I, I can't say, snap the effing ball. Yeah. And because uh, he showed me where it was. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and like two minutes later, we kick off and we get through the game. And 
you know, I honestly don't even remember the game. I think he he uh, probably, <laughs> probably should have been in protocol for that. But um, yeah, it just like I said before, it set the stage of like this is what the standard is, and you're not. I'm not going to allow you to be anything less than what you know the standard is. And 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 also, he knew what and how to push your buttons by then, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he oh, knew you, he knew you wouldn't wilt. He knew you would you would come back and and kind of be able to get through the game. So, um, it's just I think if I did, then he would have had another snapper. He would have done it too, and then he would have found somebody that didn't wilt. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He he, we were we were close friends at that time, and uh, he knew that he could lean into me, and and that. That attitude carried us through, you know, the the uh, eleven years that we played together. So, it's a, it's, I I can't even imagine going to work with that guy for eleven years because <laughs> I feel like I, I loved I, every second of it. I, I, I know a lot of people can't believe it, but I loved every second of it. And and it's relentless, but it's how you stay in the league for eighteen years or however many years he did it, right? I mean, just the attitude that Sam had and, uh, you know, we hate to go on this uh, soapbox, but just the attitude Sam had has carried, carried me into so many different aspects of, you know, of, of life. And, you know, I, I still call him on FaceTime if something's going wrong in my house or whatever. I just, he just, a, he's a do it all guy and, you know, is, is, is chasing greatness at all times. And so I, I, I really am, am thankful and blessed to have him uh, in my life for that reason. Yeah, and it's it's a sign of a great teammate. And so, like even even in the professional setting, when when I'm working with PTs, it's like I'm looking for PTs to to you know throw that ball at the back of my head. I, I, just, <laughs> yeah. I just I just had. Um, there are probably other ways to do it. You know, you maybe, don't have to have that. Maybe as long as you have a helmet on, you know. <laughs> You're exactly yeah. right. Um, but but I've had PTs kind of put me in my place as an owner of a company to say, dude you need to focus on this or mm-hmm. I need you to focus on that. Um, and that's really gone a long way. And it's, it's a matter of like, can you take that and, and get better for it? Obviously, obviously mm-hmm. you could. And he freaking knew that. Okay. Tell me what of all those things, what do you wish PTs or strength coaches? What do you think? What do you wish we did more of? Ruby's back. Um, Ruby, what do you, what do you wish strength coaches did more <laughs> of? Um, what what uh, what do I wish PTs and strength coaches did more of? Uh, that's a tough question, man. I, mean, I think you guys, uh, especially you in particular, do a great job of checking in with me and keeping me accountable. Um, I would say probably accountability would be the best thing um, because oftentimes, like we get athletes get in their routine or they get in kind of like a lull or just the way the season goes is just the routine and the monotony of the season and just the checking in kind of jolts you back into like, okay, are you doing this? And we're like, well, no, I slacked off. I didn't do it this one day. And then it, I didn't do it the second day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would say y'all are as much a part of the team in terms of like my team uh, as, as any, anybody that I'm actually playing next to, because you're holding me accountable to that standard, holding me accountable to that that uh, day in and day out routine that's going to make me great. And so, again, it goes back to caring about the athlete, caring about who he is and what his goals are. Um, so, I'd say accountability is would be the the softball for me. Just to you know say that 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 would uh, that would help that helps athletes just because a lot of times we get in our own heads and we're thinking about a performance or whatever. And so we skip something or we, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Well, okay. But also uh, as a note, we, the, the therapist or the strength coach, we're judged by how well you guys do. Mm-hmm. And so I think too often we say, I get, I gave the guys exercises. He didn't mm-hmm. do them. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. think about how, we're going to be judged on an outstanding outcome. We want an outstanding outcome. And sometimes it takes a text message to say, yes. did you do it? Um, mm-hmm. And then everyone wins. Then the therapist mm-hmm. looks good because the patient's doing well and the mm-hmm. ther- and the, the athlete wins because they're doing what they do. So that's mm-hmm. really freaking good advice, Morton Cox. And then it comes back to, you know, like at the end of the day, it's the same reason that, that I refer people to you that are in Baltimore. I mean, I refer people because like, I know you're going to care for them the way you care for me. And so, I mean, it just exponentially helps you because, I mean, if you have one, 
patient that you're helping out and that you spend time on and you care about, I, I, I would be difficult to convince that he, that guy doesn't turn five more clients into, into you to like, this is how he cared for me. This is how he got me better. Maybe this didn't work, but then we worked on something else. And, and so it just carries on from a business aspect. It's, it's perfect because, uh, it was the same with Rose, you know, like, dude, you all, I, you will not find a better massage therapist than Rose Colossus. And I tell everybody that because there was that motherly aspect of like the job is done when the job is done. It's not when that time ticks off the clock or when you check, you know, check out. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, that's awesome. Okay. Morgan, there's so much wisdom in in (laughs) some of your answers to that. So I really appreciate it. Um, that brings us to our lightning round. Morgan. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Buckle up. Here we go. Quick answers. What have you changed your mind on in the last five years? Uh, what have I changed my mind on in the last five years? Don't re- um, like my ten-year-old says, Dad. Why do you always repeat the question? <laughs> I don't know what I've changed my mind on in the last ten years. Uh, I've changed my mind on. I'm trying to think athletically, like getting down the field. That um, I used to just be a guy, and I'm trying to. Get, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be in the mix, you know, and not just running down the field. I want to be in the mix. It hasn't worked out in terms of numbers wise, but I, you know, for a long You're time, I was just a guy, but I'm trying. You're trying. Okay. That's athletically in life. What have you changed your mind on in the last five years, not 10 years. Don't change the question, dad. Um, last five years. This isn't very lightning of me. Um, nope. nutrition wise, nope. uh, I would say, what was it three off seasons ago? I focused on nutrition and it changed a lot. Um, it changed a lot about my body composition. People were commenting, you know, I looked, you know, more in shape. I wasn't as like, uh, what was the word? Like flubby or whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, I spent an off season focusing on nutrition um, and understanding uh, meal prep and not just snacking, so to speak. And, um, and I, I gained a, a much bigger understanding of like what makes my body tick from that standpoint. Um, and you know, I'm not perfect, but, uh, I, I care a lot more about the quality of food and the type of food that goes into my body. Um, that's awesome. Okay. That's what the biggest is... change for sure. Okay. There you go. That's a freaking answer. What's the largest misconception fans have about playing in the NFL? That it's. Uh, if I had to guess, it's not all glitz and glory and that we don't care about fantasy football as much as, yeah. <laughs> as much as we, uh, they think we would. Um, no, I would say, uh, the glitz and glory, uh, would be the answer there, uh, that it's, it's not all fast cars and clubs and all that stuff. Like, I mean, you saw Ruby come in here a couple of times, you know, it's, You're really uh, I came home and, and folded laundry yesterday and, uh, did my own laundry and, you know, fixed dinner, that kind of Lauren fixed dinner. We had dinner together. Um, I would guess that, that, that we're not all, we're not all just like studying our playbooks all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that hit me when I was working with a guy named Jeremy Zutal. Remember that guy? What a, oh, yeah. what a mensch. Awesome he, guy. And I said to him, I'm like, Hey, can you come in, uh, you know, Tuesday and whatever, three o'clock. And he's like, nah, I got, I got, I got to go to work. I'm like what? Like, <laughs> You got to go to work like you play in the work. NFL. Yeah, and it's, yeah. It is. It's freaking work. It's like you got to show up in an office, uh-huh. um, and that's the that's the way the greats approach it. So that uh-huh. was that was like a big uh, light bulb for me. For um, sure. What is the largest misconception that people might have about rehabbing in the NFL? Mm. If I had to guess, people probably think that it's like uh, that. There's this just like advanced technology um, that. Uh, we all have in the training rooms and that kind of thing. Um, when it boils down to it, you know, we have great care for sure. And it's day in and day out, but I mean, rehab in the NFL is again, kind of going back to your job. It's your job to be at your best. And so, um, there's no magic pill or anything that anybody's taken. It's just work and You're taking so, pills. They're just not magic. They're not magic. Yeah. They might be <laughs> taking pills. <laughs> Uh, a lot of guys are trying to work away from that, but, yeah. uh, yeah, just the work 
that guys put in. It's not, um, it, it, it's, it's discipline, it's work ethic. It's, it's, uh, you know, yes, it is directed and you, your quality of care is very strong, but I mean, like you said, you work for the private, uh, industry. So like, and we all come see you, um, for, you know, second opinion and, and extra work. And, uh, there's no reason that got that people can't, you know, come, come and find you and other PTs that are going to give great quality of care, but then it just becomes about the work that they put in. Yeah. The, I, I noticed that the time constraint is something that I never, I, I haven't, I wouldn't have thought like you guys have hours of meetings, then you're on the field, right? Then you're doing whatever. Uh, like there's only a certain amount of time there, everyone still only has 24 hours. So originally yep. I thought that you guys are just like on a table all day trying to get yeah. better. And it's just not the case. Yeah. I was in last year for my rehab at six thirty AM. And so I had, because I, my drive is a little bit longer, I had to wake up at five fifteen, and then you're at work at work until four thirty five o'clock. And then you come home and you got to get in bed early. Cause you know, you're getting up at five fifteen AM. Right. Yeah, it's real. It's real life. Um, okay, last but not least, one biblical character, not named Jesus, mm-hmm. that you would want to get a beer with. That I would want to give a beer with. I would want to get a beer with. Uh, the easy answer is Solomon, um, because he's the wisest man on earth. What are you asking him? <sighs> Everything. What made him write Ecclesiastes? What made him? You know, what was his muse for uh, Song of Solomon? And, uh, you know, and um, I would say, you know, Job would be another one that I would want to sit down with because Job, you know, had it all, had it all stripped away from him. He still remained faithful to God and was giving it all back, you know. And so what what faith looked like from that standpoint um, to trust in him and not turn his back on God. Yeah, pretty amazing. Um what do you think made him write Ecclesiastes, Solomon? Uh, I think I think that Solomon saw everything that the world had to offer, and that was his uh, outpouring of like what what it meant, what the world meant, and I, I honestly don't know. I want to. That's why I would ask him. That's why you want to get. Yeah, that's why you would ask him. It's amazing that he saw it all and he still had these crises of faith. Right? right? You would think the smartest guy in the world. You would think, mm-hmm. of course, he knows faith. Mm-hmm. Even he questioned. So when Morgan Cox questioned, how obvious and normal is that? It's okay right. to question. Faith is. Uh, faith is just that. It's faith. Faith is just that. It's faith. Put that on a t-shirt. On the back of that t-shirt, put a 46. I'm buying that t-shirt. There you go. There you go. Um, Morgan, uh, you've been a revelation. How's that for a biblical term? You have been hey, I appreciate a that. revelation. Um, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, for, for sharing your history, and just what makes you great. I think it's so obvious. Um, thank you so much for sharing it. Give me your Instagram handle because you just gained a million sports PT followers. That's awesome. Uh, Morgan Cox, 46. That wasn't uh, taken. I think Nick Moore took that. No, no, I got it. I got it. Uh, (laughs) on both Instagram and, uh, X Twitter, whatever. X. I love it. Um, Morgan, thanks for your time. Thanks for your wisdom. Appreciate Appreciate it. Enjoyed it.